Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, Season 6. I'm Dustin Levy and we are back gearing up for a high school football season here to bring you all of our insights on this region which is filled with talent and coming off a really successful season for some of our local programs. But before we get all into that, let me introduce my co-host first, the grizzled veteran Dan DeLuca. Dan, how are you doing? Doing good, Dustin. Glad to be back and uh, talking some football. Then, you know, he's always here with a hot take. Alex Martin. Alex, how excited are you for high school football to return? Great to be back. A uh, lot to cover. Uh, I think that's putting it lightly. A lot happened in the offseason, and, you know, that's why we're here, you know, recording this uh, leading into the preseason, man. It's going to be a good year, I think, uh, for a handful of our local programs. And, um, you know, it's just only a matter of time before we get to see them on the field here. Yeah, this week, uh, starting up with our kickoff class games. But before we get all into that, uh, the last time we were on the podcast, we uh, were in the postseason, but we had some teams go very, very far, including a team win a state title. That was First Baptist beating Trinity Catholic 21-3, to uh, bringing a state championship uh, to Southwest Florida for the first time since the 2007 Naples team. Uh, and we also had Dunbar and Vero making the state semi. Final. So uh, the first kind of topic I want to touch on, will Southwest Florida teams contend again that team in the postseason? Alex, uh, what do you think about that? Contend, yes. Um, you know, win the last game of the year, obviously very tough. And I think we saw that um, across the board with Vero and with Dunbar. You know, that Dunbar team was riding a lot of momentum uh, going into that mainland game, you know, coming off a pretty stunning win at, on the road at Naples. Dunbar was leading Mainland in the third quarter, and then you know a few calls here and there, and, and Mainland came out victorious. Um, Bishop Vero, you know, we knew all pretty much all season long last year that their defense was suspect, and you know the offense could obviously keep them in games, but it obviously wasn't enough. Uh, up in Tallahassee, uh, taking on Florida High, and then First Baptist, a team that is going to have a lot to replace. You know, you lose 11 out of your 13 top tacklers, you're bound to take a step back just by default. Um, you know, you got new guys to uh, fill roles that needed to be filled. Um, you know, Ethan Crossan, luckily, is going to have his share of weapons on the offensive side of the ball, where really that's um, the most stability where they have right now is, is at the wide receiver spot with Jaden Pettit and Andrew Azunke, who is in the fold now after – you know, a very successful track season, and then a guy like Landon Wolney, um, a freshman wide receiver who, you know, FBA is high on, uh, and along with Sam Sprassio, who can kind of do a little bit of everything in that offense. Um, offensive line, you know, they got to replace four guys up front, um, so they're definitely going to have a tougher road. If they do get back and, and win it, I think that's going to be the more impressive, uh, most impressive thing this season, um, their ability to have to replace so much and then get back to that big game. But on the whole, I mean, you have your other share of teams. You have Naples. You got Fort Myers. Um, you know, it, it will be tough this year, especially because Port Charlotte, a team that is not in our coverage area, is better than last year. And, you know, they're a team with a lot of expectations. And, you know, it's just going to be a fun year. It's going to be really competitive, I feel like. I feel like parity um, will be a word that we talk about a lot this year. Mm. 
Definitely. Um, and going back to First Baptist, I was I was at that game in Tallahassee, yeah. and what what was most surprising, as, as important as uh, those you know big offensive players like Olson Henry, like Jaden Booker, were to that team. It was the defense that, that yeah. shut down a high-powered offense to get the win. And I think that makes me kind of optimistic that the coaching staff was able to, to put together that kind of result. Dan, do you think FBA might have the pieces to repeat? Well, I think going back to what Alex said, they lost so much that I think it's going to be tough. I, I think they'll be in the mix. Um, I think the metro-suburban split really helped our teams, at least as far as getting maybe that one round further, getting to the Final Four. But then beyond that, you know, it really is going to come down to what kind of depth do you have, what kind of experience do you have. And I, I think for FBA, they have that experience from winning last year, but they lost so many of those players. It's really tough, especially when you have a smaller program to rebuild like that on the fly. Um, I think they'll be very competitive, uh, obviously, uh, but I think you're looking more at maybe – for locally, it's Vero's turn this year, let's say, I, I think, to have that team that you kind of target and say, you know, that's the one that really has the best opportunity uh, to move on. Um, I don't know. I mean, we were talking about Dunbar like that a little bit last year, but, you know, North almost beat them. I mean, that was 33-32. They go down to Naples and win. They have Mainland on the ropes, and it just, you know, are you going to be able to make those plays when it matters? That's really what it comes down to. And I was going to pick up on Vero. Like, I talked to Carter Smith, talked to Timmy Lawson. They see that this year is their window to do something. And, you know, with the additions of Nunu Jones and Jerry Ashley and Leroy Roker, you know, they're going to get help on the defensive side. They allowed 25 points a game last year. That's not going to cut it in the playoffs. And I think any coach would agree with that. The offense has never been a question. Carter Smith is back. Got a chance to break his own records this year. Deshaun Jenkins, who we'll probably be talking about later on in this show, a guy I'm really high on. The kid can easily eclipse 20 touchdowns this year. Um, you know, they do have offensive line questions with Wyatt Whalen going away. But for the vast majority, they return pretty much everybody. And having Richie Rode and Josh Vogel back in the same uh, room together talking offense, I mean, I'd personally like to be a fly on the wall in that room because I'm an offensive guy. And I think that they can make it happen this year. It's obviously going to be likely them, FSU and Coco. You know, those are probably three shoe-ins. Uh, to make the Final Four because, you know, I think Vero plays in probably one of the, the weaker regions uh, in 2S. But, um, you know, it's probably going to be down to them again. If you are a Vero, if you are a Dunbar, or if you're, you know, maybe a team, you know, that's being slept on right now, do you look at what First Baptist did last year and do you think that motivates those teams or are they completely kind of tunnel vision uh, right now? I, I want to say tunnel vision um, just because I think, you know, in my opinion, just mine, you know, I, I think FBA was the third best team last year behind Dunbar and Naples in that order. Um, you know, I think Dunbar was probably the best squad in Southwest Florida last year. And, I, and I'm not afraid to say that. And I will, you know, I will die on the hill literally making that statement. Dunbar has, for them, luckily, I mean, their defense, they got a core guy at every position group who has experience kelby tyree in the secondary you got kai garcia the alpha dog at linebacker and then you got two guys on the defensive line and uh venier baptiste and min edwards who can help those guys you know that are newer this year ease into things dunbar definitely they're gonna have some pieces to replace on the offensive line sammy brown wasn't shy in telling us that at media day um so you, you know they're gonna have questions there austin price is another one at uh, quarterback you know obviously you know new starter going to come in with questions just 
That's just the way it is. But the playmakers he's got, Eric Fletcher, Twosky Abrams, you know, those guys, I mean, that, that's a lot to uh, look forward to if you're Dunbar, and I think they can definitely get back there. But I think this region that we're talking about in 3S is, is just, you know, I feel like a lot more competitive than last year, where I don't think Port Charlotte's going to lose by 32 to Naples. You know, I don't, I don't see that happening again this year with Naples losing so much on their uh, offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And always have to note with Dunbar, while, while it's still active, a streak of 17 consecutive yeah. wins against Lee County teams, and then to go on the road and beat Naples, you know, that is a statement. Um, I want to talk about other teams that might be in the mix contending for the postseason. Uh, Dan, what, what's a team that might come to mind there for you? Well, even though they lost a lot, I mean, you still have to look at Naples as a favorite to win a district, to make a little bit of a run in the playoffs. I think Fort Myers is going to be a little improved this year. Uh, I think they're, you know, Chris McElroy, quarterback, another year of season in Madrid Tucker, uh, one of the more explosive players in southwest Florida. I think their lines are a little bit better. And then I think you look at a team like Mariner uh, that was a little bit on the cusp last year, you know, had the first winning season since 2007 probably would have made the playoffs if they didn't lose two games uh, to the Hurricane. Um, Ended up getting canceled, didn't give them that opportunity to get an at-large berth. And I think that gap has closed in the district with North Fort Myers, you know, that just dominated that district last year. But they're going to take a step back. Uh, so I think parity is, is kind of the work because I think some of the teams that have traditionally been really strong and were really strong last year, Naples, North Fort Myers, Dunbar, I don't think they're as good as they were last year. And I think some of those other teams, you know, your Mariner, your Fort Myers, they're, they're taking a step up. Uh, so I think we're going to see a, a lot more close games this year. And uh, I think we might get a surprise or two, whereas last year I think pretty much uh, our surprises were teams that maybe didn't perform as well, like a Lehigh, for instance. Um, and, and we had some teams overachieve, and I, I think we're going to see a little bit of that this year, too. And, you know, Ed and I were down in Collier County um, talking to these teams at Media Day. It just feels so competitive down there. Yep. It really does. Like Naples, you know, with Rick Martin talking about how young they're going to be this year, you know, maybe this is the time for like a Golden Gate or a Baron Collier to finally pick them off. Golden Gate's got the horses to do it. Baron Collier's got the horses to do it. Um, you know, with Nico Boyce being in the fold there, Golden Gate's got John Leon Arat, Bradley Martino, Trayvon Jean, Sam Powell, a quarterback. Like, they can make things happen here. And But at the end of the day, you know, until Naples shows any sort of vulnerability, which since the Kramer days has not really happened, they haven't they've dominated Collier County nobody can stop their style it's always been uh, an enigma for defensive coordinators down there with the exception of PJ Gibbs's team in 2020 with Palmetto Ridge until someone can prove me otherwise I mean they're still going to be that the team in in italics basically Um, you know Golden Gate I think has a good shot of making things happen this year I think they have a lot of expectations Um, you know this is kind of the year for Nick Bajica to make things happen down there um, Amakali's another one to kind of look at. James Delgado, four and five last year, three one-score losses. You know they got a good shot at making the next uh, step in their program, and he's only in year two. Um, so you know Collier County, I'm I'm going to anticipate a lot of competitiveness where pretty much anybody can beat anybody, especially in the middle of the pack. I mean. Gulf Coast is going to take a step back with how much they lost offensively, but they're still going to be competitive. You know, they have the pieces to do that. So, um, you know, I'm really just looking forward to seeing how many one-score games we have this year. I mean, it'll be worth uh, tracking, you know, just for the fun of it to see how competitive teams are this season with each other. 
And another team I want to bring up is ECS yeah. after going uh, unbeaten in the regular season last year. And they're bringing back Tanner Heldneck, quarterback, yeah. LG Blackwell at running back, a defense that posted several shutouts. They're going to be facing a tougher schedule, but I, I think you know they're ones to look out for, for yeah, sure. They can definitely make a splash in 1S, Dustin, and, and I think wouldn't be surprised if we see FBA and them in a prospective regional title game. That would make for some uh, you know very interesting uh, predictions because ECS, I think last year, you know, we recognized that their schedule wasn't at the level of other teams in the area and yeah they did go undefeated in the regular season but you know then they kind of got blitzed in the first round by uh i believe it was more haven who they beat in the regular yeah, season who they did beat in the regular season week two it was uh convincing um i believe so you know this year they're gonna have their tests so we'll have a better indicator much better indicator of where they're at you know especially in the beginning middle and end of their season because it is balanced you know you have your tough opponent early you have your tough opponent in the middle of the season and then you have your tough opponent in October which is a you know it'll provide a great measuring stick of where uh, the team is at in terms of progression and whatnot all right we're going to take a little break here and when we come back we're going to talk about an offseason that had quite a lot of changes Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Welcome back. First thing we want to discuss right here is the off-season coaching carousel, which started spinning in January and kept spinning all the way up through the summer. And I just want to give a little lowdown because I'm, I'm sure you missed some of these because there were 12 head coaching changes in Southwest Florida in the off-season. Starting with uh, at Lehigh, uh, James Chaney went to join Deion Sanders over at the Colorado coaching staff. He was replaced by Casey Crehan, who did not last very long. And he was replaced by Antoine Dixon, uh, who was a star at South Fort Myers um, and is the youngest head coach in the area at 26 years old. Uh, North Fort Myers, Dwayne Mack, stepped down, and he was replaced by David Pasquale. At Riverdale, uh, Frank Hepler stepped down, and he was replaced by Kendall Gibson. At Ida Baker, uh, Chuck Fawcett is out, and Steve Howard is in. Over at Island Coast, Chris Burnett was replaced by Tyron Jones. At SFCA, the Bill Moore era came to an end, and he was uh, replaced by Roy Stabler, uh, who has been on the sidelines of so many different teams, uh, most recently at Canterbury. And Canterbury also had a change, going from Stacy Sizemore to Vince Camarca. At Laley, J.J. Everidge left to pursue and uh, take over at Aubrey Rogers, the new high school in the area, and he was replaced by Ben Hammer. Palmetto Ridge. Paul Giovine is out. Zach Yates is in. Uh, CSN, uh, recent development, Paul Salvidio stepped down. He is replaced by Michael Stenard, who is the coach in the interim. And then last, uh, St. John Newman, Damon Jones uh, stepped down, and in his place is Rich Crosby. So it's quite a lot. Alex, what are your thoughts on that amount of turnover, and who do you think is most poised for success in year one? Well, first off, the carousel really started spinning in July. I mean, it started spinning faster than normal. You know, we had a lot of coaching changes in July that I don't think we saw coming, um, especially with how late they were. Salvidio announced his resignation two days into camp, and that was in August. So, 
as for you know a coach that could be poised for success, you know I kind of look at Laley and Ben Hammer. You know I really like what he has to offer. They're going to be a talented ball club um, with the playmakers to make things happen. You know a lot of coaches seem to kind of be in agreement. You know Laley has a chance to uh, sustain what JJ Average built over the last four years there. So I kind of keep an eye on the Trojans because there is so much parity in Collier County um, with what they, just with the dynamic this year. You know, I think that they're poised for some sort of success. Um, Lee County, I'll just be blunt. A coach told me off the record, you know, David Pasquale at North got it made for him. You know, he's got everything in front of him for success, ranging from the Booster Club to just having, you know, the tradition of excellence at North. Um, he's got everything in front of him to make things happen and to continue the success that Dwayne Mack had. Um, so I think, you know, those are the two that I kind of look at, you know, if I'm picking one from each county. Um, CSN's always an interesting one. You know, obviously Michael Stenard is a former offensive lineman in college um, who, you know, takes this job uh, in the interim. He got hired on as the OC before uh, Silvideo announced his resignation. So maybe keep an eye on CSN because, you know, their offensive line this year was pretty big at media day. Um, but we'll see. I mean, 12 coaches, it, it is really weird that we've, you know, this is the second year where we, I think we've had double digit coaching changes in the off season. And I think it's kind of where Florida is at as a state in terms of not paying, you know, there's plenty of other opportunities, pretty much one state North where, you know, you can get a coach's salary. Um, John Mooring for the long timers, who have been in the area. He coached at Vero for a couple of years, uh, left for Georgia, coaching at Savannah Country Day now. Um, I, I just think that Florida is going to continue to be behind the eight ball. You know, you're going to continue to see this sort of turnover um, with regard to coaches' pay. It's always been a point of emphasis um, that's been brought up to us by multiple coaches. So I think that's kind of, you know, where we're at right now. Um, you know, in the private schools have had stability for the most part. You know, Damon Jones was at Newman for quite a while. Paul Savidio, uh, I believe Dan would correct me if I'm wrong, was the second longest tenured coach in Collier County. So it's kind of their turn to make changes, and, and you know, it's just the way the turnover works. But, you know, on the whole, you know, I, I do think it is a bit concerning that, you know, I think we've had 22 coaching changes over the last two seasons. Dan, any of these pairings that might, you know, maybe intrigue you the most? Um, I, I think there's some schools uh, and some coaches that really have a, they have a tough job in front of them. And, you know, when you're looking at Island Coast and, and Ida Baker, you're looking at two programs that really, you know, need to need to establish a foundation just because there's been a lot of turnover there. And in that zone, uh, you know, North has kind of been the school. Um, you, you know, North, Cape Coral uh, has been getting a little more talent as of late. And so when you're in a zone that has that many schools, uh, it's just tough. It's, it's tough to kind of carve out um, your own sort of place in that zone, uh, especially for coaches coming in from from outside of the area. I, I agree with Alex about uh, about North. I, I think the fact that um, Coach Pasquale was on staff and just the tradition there, I think, gives them the opportunity to kind of – you know, not miss a beat. I, I think they might take a little bit of a step back just because of the talent that's left. Um, but I think in ter- terms of having everything sort of set up for you, you're not building a program there. You're just trying to continue it. 
uh, and the fact that he's familiar with that system, uh, I, I think it's going to give him a great deal of success. And, you know, we haven't had a lot of success with coaches coming in from outside of the area into Lee County, especially because it's just it's just such an odd setup with the school zones and the fact that the compensation is just you know, so far behind, Florida's behind as it is, but Lee County is behind in Florida, especially in comparison to Collier County, which has a system that sort of rewards you the longer you stay there, whereas Lee County really doesn't. When you're playing a a flat rate stipend, you know, we're not in an era where coaches are going to stick around for 10 years anymore. I mean, you know, you can barely get to 10 coaches in both counties um, that have been with their program for five years or more. I don't think you can. Uh, and that's that's just something that, you know, 10 years ago, that would be sort of unheard of. You you had coaches that were associated with schools. Aside from Sam Sirianni now and Billy Sparacio at FBA, you can't really say that because there's been so much turnover the last couple of years. But I've never seen an offseason like this one, especially with the changes this late in the year, in, in July. Nobody makes coaching changes in July, but we've had uh, more than one this year, and that's just really surprising. Yeah, and in terms of some of the local promotions, I liked um, hearing from Kendall Gibson. Um, you, you could tell, first off, he, he was on the Riverdale staff, and there's a lot of continuity with that staff. But you could tell that, that the kids really respond to him. And also, I just think Antoine Dixon, his dad was on the Lehigh staff for a long time. And and that kind of homecoming is really nice to see. Although, you know, starting as late as he did is going to be uh, quite the challenge for him. Yeah, and I do think he was thrown into a, I think we can call it an unfortunate situation, just having to take over so late. And, you know, that program, you know, because they didn't have a, a head coach for a while, I mean, those summer workouts, I mean, you can't really do much. It's just show up, lift, and go home. I mean, they are probably entering this fall behind on where they really want to be, and it's unfortunate because they got to, you know, it's going to be tough for them right out the gate. You know, they got Naples at home, and that's a rematch that they're probably looking forward to because that team last year was was pretty much blitzed and embarrassed in, in the first week of the season. It was 45-9, to and they, you know, Lehigh just didn't look – you know, they didn't look the part early on in the season, and, you know, they kind of had to play catch-up a little bit. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. And, you know, I mean, I think Dixon, you know, being a kind of a, I guess we can call him a player's coach, relatable, you know, can easily resonate with those guys. Um, you know, I Wasn't think, that long ago that he was in he, high school, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not far removed at all. I mean, he relatively new at 26. I think, you know, him being able to relate to those guys and being able to, know understand what their maybe some, what some of their situations are is going to help him in the long run um but he told us at media day like the instability of lehigh not being able to hire a head coach basically you know a lot of guys transferred to Eastley, a lot of guys transferred elsewhere because they didn't know the situation and kind of put them in an, a, a uh, in a rocky situation so it'll be uh, fun to watch him as, as he grows as a head coach and you know see if he can follow the successes that his father had at south for a little bit and um, you know, just see if he's able to, uh, you know, maintain stability and longevity as a head coach. So a new feature that we've been running uh, here at the News Press and Naples News is something we're calling Coaches Confidential, where we are asking coaches questions off the record to try to get uh, the most forthcoming responses possible. So I wanted to kind of touch on some of the answers and ask Alex and Dan um, and just talk about what, what some of our, our favorite uh, quotes uh, that just things that stood out. Starting with uh, the 
best offensive player. Alex, was there any any kind of quote that uh, caught your eye? Uh, yeah, and, and I think a lot of people mentioned this quarterback, uh, Carter Smith. The quote that really struck me, you know, from a humor standpoint, um, it's definitely, is that a joke? Carter's the best player. He's the best player in the area. He's a real deal. But the other one that I really liked was, I haven't seen a throw he couldn't make. He's just confident. He's already proven that he's really, really good, and he's just gotten bigger, faster, and stronger. I mean, Dustin and Dan, you guys cover Vero more than I do. I mean, I haven't seen a throw that he couldn't make yet. And he's able to create on the run. He's able to beat you with his legs. I mean, the kid can do so much. And I think that quote is spot on. And then, you know, the last one I'll mention before I take every quote in here is that every coach in the area wishes he was their quarterback. And if they don't, they're lying. He's a true dual threat. And I had a buddy who coached him in travel baseball who said he's an even better person off the field, which is getting harder and harder to find. And, and I'm with them. Whoever said that, you don't want him as your quarter, your QB one, you're crazy. He's just, he's a four-star prospect for a reason. You know, the kid might be going SEC. Um, he's probably the best quarterback we've had since, you know, Dan can answer that. I mean, it's, you know, the kid's unmatched right now, and, and I can't really think of a quarterback off the top of my head locally that, you know, really is, you know, up to the caliber that he is. No, I mean, I think if you're talking historically, at least as far as production-wise, I think you have to go all the way back to Dallas Crawford yeah. at, at South Fork Myers. But that was a player that you just knew, you know, he just wasn't physically going to be a quarterback in college. Exactly. That was not going to happen. Whereas Carter Smith, you, you have all the projections as for what that is, uh, and he obviously fits that. I, I think the thing with him is because he can do so much, uh, I don't think he can keep doing as much as he's doing because, you know, you get this kind of hype and people know that you're the key to that team. Uh, you're going to get beat up physically and just uh, running the football as much as he does. I, I think, you know, maybe the emergence of Deshaun uh, Jenkins in the backfield is going to take a little of that burden off because I, I just think he's so key to Vero's hopes that you don't want to put him in that much jeopardy week in, week out. And that's what I said in my our, our 23 questions for 2023 i made predictions that his passing yardage total will be lower his rushing yardage total will be lower and his uh his rushing attempts total will be lower i I think deshaun jenkins makes a big leap in that offense uh this year to take carries away uh from carter smith perhaps for the better i just think you know sean is poised for a big uh, sophomore season Another player that was named was Naples running back Sean Simeon, and I love this quote of, uh, that a coach said, they always have a running back. I think they got a machine down there to clone people. You know Rick Martin has a machine down there. And it's funny you bring that up because I did text Rick that quote, and he said, uh, someone better show me that machine because I can't, because I can't find it. And I, I, I don't just, know about that. I, I, I thought that was a great quote. You know, It does pretty much sum Naples up in a nutshell that – doesn't matter who's back there they're still going to rush for a thousand yards they're still going to make teams pay um you know I, I i really would love to know who said that i still don't know who said that but um pretty pretty good quote there from whoever that was so we also asked coaches uh who they thought was the best defensive players in southwest florida coming into this season uh dan was there a, a name or a quote that that stood out to you I just think the amount of people that mentioned Adrian Stone from yeah. North Fort Myers was really, um, really eye-opening. But it, it was good that he he's getting that attention because he's just so dominant out there. But he plays a position that typically gets overlooked when you're playing inside on the defensive line. But he just makes so many plays, and he's exactly. just yeah. such a physical <laughs> football player, which you know you you don't necessarily see as much anymore. But he. 
he's got the perfect temperament for that. Just, just going back to um, media days with uh, Coach Pasquale when he was talking about it, he just said he's, he's just nasty. He said the word nasty like three or four times, and he said that's, that's exactly what you want in that position. So that's just a, a, a player whose temperament and physicality just perfectly meshes with the position that he plays. Alex, was there a name that stood out to you? Personally, was surprised that Kensley Fawson only got one vote here. I, I mean, he's complete package at safety and at defensive back. Um, this coach said, you put him on film, he jumps out to you. I always say, if I have to game plan against you, then you're pretty good. So I look at him and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to find where the kid, where that kid is on the field every time. Fawson passes the eye test, passed the eye test within minutes for me. Um, you know, the kid can cover, the kid can help and run support. Really talented player teasing in the big 15 will be uh dropped this thursday uh numbers five through one for the uh the suspense there to see who is number one um there's only one place for that and that's at news-press.com and naplesnews.com but faustin you know he's just he's going to the sec man i mean he's going to play for a big time program kids got height he can get up and contend with one-on-one balls you know, he held his own for the most part against uh, American Heritage. He picked off uh, Blake Murphy, actually, in that game last season uh, when he tried to extend a play. But, um, you know, Fawson's one that, you know, I think, uh, you know, coaches know that he's probably the best defensive player in the area. And the last coach's confidential question that I want to discuss is uh, when we ask coaches to name who they thought the most underrated player in the area was. Um, I'll start with this one. I, I thought uh, one of the coaches mentioning Chris McFoley, uh, the Fort Myers quarterback, uh, was uh, pretty spot on. He, he said that he thought McFoley was a better quarterback than he's credited for and that he's uh, predicted to have a, a really good senior year. Uh, Dan, was there any name that stood out to you? Well, you talk about overlooked. I thought it was interesting that people mentioned Cole Cook because he certainly stands out when you see him on the football field. But I, I think just because he's so young and he's kind of a latecomer and he plays a position that typically doesn't get a lot of attention on the offensive line. Um, but, you know, 6'8", uh, closing on 300 pounds. And I think he'll really be showcased this year because of what uh, Kendall Gibson said they want to do, which is they're going to run the wing tee, they're going to pound the football, they're going to run behind him. And I think he might have been a little, overlooked let's say uh coming into this year but i think he'll be a name that everyone will know by the end of the year it's it's hard to overlook a six eight lineman <laughs> alex uh who stood out to you that was named here i'm just circling back to mcfoley because that's, yeah. that's my answer I, I think you know we had madrid tucker in for big 15 shoots not that long ago and he talked about how the chemistry between him alex thalusma um and heck jai german now who's in a, in a Fort Myers uniform, um, it, it, like the chemistry is there. Grant Coppins as well. Um, so, I, I mean, McFoley, I mean, he's put on a, a couple pounds, I think. He's bulked up. Um, I think he's primed to kind of give Fort Myers some sort of stability on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, over the last two years, we've, we've talked about their problem, and, that, and that's the ability to run the football. So I think, you know, if McFoley can continue to improve at the quarterback position and continue to make plays out wide with his weapons, I don't think we have to, you know, keep putting an emphasis on the O-line. It takes pressure off them, um, you know, with the amount of skill guys that they have. But, you know, I think if I'm picking a quarterback to kind of take that leap this year and maybe flirt with 2,000 yards passing, I think it's McFoley. Yeah, that's going to be exciting to watch. And after the break, we are going to look ahead to our kickoff classic games. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, 
Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Ready, we go! All right, welcome back to the final segment of this show. Uh, first off, before we get into those preseason games that we're kind of looking forward to, uh, we're going to touch on some breakout players, um, players who maybe showed signs of life last, you know, second half of last year who are, you know, just they're ready to take that next step. Uh, Dustin, I want to start with you. Um, you know, some guys that you're kind of, you got tabs on this season. Uh, one that really stood out to me uh, is Jaden German. Uh, the son of Fort Myers legend Jamie German, who is uh, coming to his father's alma mater after playing his eighth grade season at ECS. In his eighth grade season, he carried the ball 36 times for 312 yards and a touchdown as a backup. So he's one that I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on, especially since Fort Myers is going to emphasize the running game, and especially given how the last couple of seasons have gone, they really want to reestablish themselves. So he's someone that, you know, even though he'll be a freshman, I, I think is going to play a crucial role in that team. Yeah, and German is, you know, I don't know what his role is going to be. I mean, I don't know how if Sam Sirianni explicitly kind of said what his role is going to be. Is he going to be running the ball? Is he going to be catching the ball? I mean, we don't know yet. I mean, is he kind of Madrid Tucker 2.0 where he can do a little bit of both? I mean, it'll be fun to watch the Fort Myers offense this year because of how many weapons they have. I mean, uh, last year it was really only what, Lair and Benelli. And, and I mean, Delusma was making plays here and there, but it wasn't as frequent as I think, uh, you know, Sirianni and staff hope it is this season. Um, so And he's yeah. another one. Yeah. yeah. Delusma, I mean, a lot of coaches are high on him. I, I think – you know, this could be his year to shine, and, um, you know, we'll see. But down south in Collier County, a guy who can really make a splash this year, I kind of look at Sean Simeon at Naples, you know, just because he's poised to take the step as a running back. Granted, I, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes right now because he's, you know, the pressure of having to replace Isaiah Augustive and, you know, Kendrick Raphael. You know, those guys combined for – nearly 3,000 yards last year and, what, 30 touchdowns. Um, you know, that's a lot to replace. Just by default, because he hasn't had any really varsity experience in, a, in an offense, is Nico Boyce. He wasn't really utilized, I think, the way that he expected to be at Naples. Um, transferred there, entering his sophomore season. He's back at Barron this year. He learned under Dylan McNamara. Uh, for his freshman season there. Didn't really see much varsity time, but I think right out the gate, you know, if we're talking about a breakout guy, I, I think Nico Boyce is kind of the one to look at in Collier County, you know, along with a guy maybe Trayvon Jean, even if that's breaking out. I mean, he just rushed for 1,600 yards, 2,000 the goal for him. Um, if he could put those together, I think he's another guy to look at. But, Dan, I mean, who are you kind of eyeing here to – you know, maybe make a splash. Well, I think somebody who really has to, uh, if they're going to try to achieve the same level they did last year, is Bryce DeRoss at North Fort Myers. Uh, you're talking about a kid that wasn't even playing quarterback uh, a year ago, kind of thrust into that that job last year, never having played the position, and you know, you led a team that was a district champion. But now that Bo Somerset is gone, uh, every time North needed a big play last year, they gave the ball to Bo, whether it was under center, whether it was you know throwing him a pass anything. Now, he's not there now. 
Uh, Bryce DeRoss, a whole offseason training, you know, working with a throwing coach, really refining his motion. Uh, they have some young skill position players, and it's going to be up to him to try to get them the ball. If he can do that, then there's no reason that North can't continue to be the top dog in that district. Kind of on the other end of that spectrum, you can go to Eastley County, a school that traditionally has not had a lot of success, especially lately. Uh, it was really surprising to hear, you know, not just one person mention uh, Lazaro Rogers as a potential breakout player there. Uh, Coming from Gateway Charter last year, you know, not really on the radar at large in the county, but East is going to be better. Uh, He is a very good athlete. They're going to give him the ball, and uh, if East has success this year, it's probably going to be because uh, Lazaro Rogers had a really big year. Yeah, I I think definitely one to kind of look at. I mean, DeRoss is is an interesting, he's kind of going to be the key this year. If he's not in system, North won't be in system, and you know, they're going to struggle. Um, Andre Devine got to put together a complete season. You know, he can't afford to be injured. Uh, it sounds like they're going to play him out wide this year, which that's going to make for an interesting way to game plan for him. I mean, if he's in the slot, that speed might kill uh, some opposing secondaries. Um, you know, another one that I kind of look at, uh, Kelby Tyree, I think he's ready to take the reins uh, in that Dunbar secondary, kind of be that alpha dog like Sean Russ was uh, along with Eddie Bennett. Uh, they just both created countless turnovers. You know, I think Kelby Tyree is one who, in his final season, I think this could be the year for him to really just have a breakout and maybe uh, you know bolster his recruitment in the process. So I think those are some guys. Any anybody I'm really missing? Any guys you want to mention? I think South Fort Myers has yeah. a lot of players that you know they have a year under their belt. Uh, Victor Jenkins at running back, Jason Gita at quarterback. They have some guys on their defensive line that uh, I know uh, Coach May has a a lot of high hopes for. I think that that team should not be overlooked at all, and I I think they're going to have a few players that we'll be talking about in a few weeks. The fun fact about Willis May, in his time at at a hurricane in West Virginia, Stoneman Douglas in South Florida and South Fort Myers never had a losing season before last year, which is pretty impressive. I mean, he's been 500 a couple times here and there. Uh, Staying on South real quick, Justin White, you know, a a guy who... A lot of coaches kind of just, they talk about low-key. You know, the kids got the tools to make things happen. He was mentioned in our coaches confidential. Great hands and routes. Gives every team's defensive backs problems. Um, so I think uh, one to definitely keep an eye on this year, especially with how much they have coming back. I mean, in our opinion, or at least in my opinion, you know, South was just, they had too much to replace last year uh, with Caster gone, with Duncan Smith gone, Jerry Cooper, uh, Sincere Trice. Uh, they just had too much to replace, but I, they get a lot back. Chase and Gita's back. Um, so maybe that chemistry and that offensive line will be able to click, and you know maybe we see South return to a like, 2021 form, you know, given Dunbar a game. You know, hopefully it's not over the course of two days, <laughs> but um, you know, South should be competitive this year. Uh, but jumping into those preseason games, we got a handful to talk about. Um, a lot of good ones. Gulf Coast at Naples is one. Laley at Vero. Um, you got North Miami going to Immokalee, Estero at Barron. I mean, Dan, I'll start with you. The game you're kind of looking at, you know, and, and why? Uh, I'd say Mariner at Charlotte. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Mariner kind of thinks that this is their year to uh, really make a run in that district, get back to the playoffs uh, for the first time in more than 15 years. And they're going to get a good test at Charlotte. Uh, I, I think physically, 
Uh, you, you know, Charlotte isn't coming off a great season. They, they got off to the worst start. They went 0-4 to start the season last year, which is something that hadn't happened uh, in more than 10 years. Uh, but they got better as the season went along. Uh, they gave Lehigh everything they could handle. Their first game back from the hurricane, uh, Lehigh pulled away late, and that kind of turned that season around a little bit for Lehigh, and Charlotte played a lot better second half of the season. I think Mariner, uh, one question for them, they have a lot of players coming back. Uh, they had a very inexperienced offensive line last year that really got manhandled at times, especially in, in district play. They lost 38 nothing to North and really couldn't move the ball uh, at all. I covered that game. Um, they off offseason in the weight room. Coach Nicholson thinks, you know, that they're they're ready to compete uh, against the best in the area. And, you know, Charlotte is always a physical team. So I think they'll get a good test this Friday as to how far their offensive line has come along and if they're going to be able to kind of control that line of scrimmage against some more physical teams in the area I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Port Charlotte and Dunbar and I imagine Dustin that's going to be your answer um, it is interesting because we know preseason games don't mean a lot because Port Charlotte gave it to Dunbar in the preseason last year it wasn't really particularly close uh, but it turns out you know at the end of the season Dunbar had the last laugh and was the last uh, you know local team uh, standing in Lee County where are you kind of leaning here I mean there's a lot of appetizing matchups I mean what are some of the questions that you hope to see answered one matchup that I was looking at is a battle between two district champions, Gulf Coast at Naples. Yep. And for both those teams, we're thinking maybe, you know, that they lost a lot of talent. What are they going to look like? So I think that's going to be a real interesting gauge for where those teams are heading into the season and um, how much that they were able to reload. Yeah, and both teams have their respective positions that they need to kind of fill. I mean, Naples has a good chunk of their defense that they need to replace and you know uh gulf coast vast majority of their offense including their best offensive lineman last year in Hiram Dusnup uh who is now at Utah State you know that's a game that I'm kind of looking forward to uh the game I think I'll be at uh if you know if things don't change between now and Friday is Astero at Barron yeah you know that'll be a good test for both sides obviously Astero had their moments last year you know they posted a handful of shutouts but in the two most important games of the season that defense allowed 91 points in those two games. So big question for Barron, too. Can their offense uh, keep it up? I was at that Southridge game in the spring. Nico Boyce looked impressive. That offense looked pretty efficient for the most part, and that was with some personnel out. Um, you know, this will be our first look to see Barron fully healthy. You know, and their team, Mark Jackson's really high on them. Got a lot of toys to work with, a lot of pieces. It'd be interesting to see if they have a wide receiver, too, outside of Brody Graham. Uh, you know, I think traditionally, you know, if you want to make a deep run, you're going to need an extra wide receiver. It can't just be one guy beating you. Um, you got to be able to stretch the field in other ways. So, you know, that'll be one to look at. Port Charlotte at Dunbar. Port Charlotte has this insane offense with, with a lot of guys coming back on the defensive side. Myron Charles being one of them. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, he's a four-star prospect on the D-line. You know, that'll be a good test for Dunbar's O-line. I think we can all agree on that. And then Dunbar's wide receivers against Port Charlotte's secondary. How's that going to look? Um, Austin Price, you know, leading that offense. What's his decision-making going to look like? Is How's the chemistry? I mean, uh, you know, he's got a lot of fast receivers to work with. Um, you know, so, you know, Sammy Brown, you know, we'll see what he's got in store. How much does he show in this one, if anything? You know, just because the possibility of seeing them down the road. 
uh, mm-hmm. is not. Uh, he said he would not be surprised. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's conceivable. Yeah. At this point, you know, I think we can agree on that. So, that's kind of if you know if we pick the game of the week for the preseason, I think that's the one we kind of look at. Um, but you know, final thoughts uh, before we uh, sign off. I'm excited to to get back out there. It's going to be a hot one. So uh, drink a lot of water. Yeah, hopefully we're not starting at 8 o'clock because of the heat. Um, you know, we got some work to do on that, you know, in terms of when teams can play when, uh, and whatnot. Uh, but, Dan, you know, any final thoughts from you? No, just excited, uh, you know, to get things going finally. Hopefully, uh, like you said, the weather will hold up um, both heat-wise and lightning-wise, and um, we'll be able to get these games in and have a really good, you know, kind of warm-up to see, you know, see some questions answered to really get a, you know, kind of a gauge on uh, who's going to be the teams, you know, that have the best chances to, you know, really kind of go far this year. Without a doubt. And, And before we do sign off, I must plug my fellow friends here, uh, be sure to follow Dustin Levy at Dustin B. Levy. Follow Dan DeLuca at News Press Dan. And then follow me on Twitter at NP underscore Alex Martin. You guys know where to go for the best high school football content in Southwest Florida. It's news-press.com slash sports, naplesnews.com slash sports, and you can get that virtually anywhere. But for Dan DeLuca, Dustin Levy, I'm Alex Martin signing off of Season 6, Episode 1 of the Inside Southwest Florida Podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.